Friday to you and welcome to the Agent Survival Guide podcast. We are back with another Friday Five episode. It is our weekly list of five things you should know about. I'm your host and my name is Sarah Rupel. It is November which still doesn't seem quite real. You know, we work all year to gear up for this season, and when it comes, it goes by so quickly. But here we are, four days into November and four days into Marketplace Open Enrollment, where we begin our episode. Number one, open enrollment for ACA Marketplace plans began on November 1st, and it runs until January 15th, 2023. We saw record enrollment last year, and it'll be interesting to see if this year outpaces that growth. As subsidies have been extended, the family glitch has been fixed, and some other changes. If you want to brush up on your ACA and marketplace knowledge, We'll have some links to helpful episodes and articles in our notes, so be sure to check that out. And if you're selling Marketplace plans this year, we wish you a successful open enrollment period and happy selling. Number two, on Wednesday this week, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell announced another interest rate adjustment. It's part of the ongoing attempt to curtail inflation but also avoid a recession, and It's hard to say if the strategy is working. Experts were expecting another three-quarters of a percentage point increase, so a 0.75 basis point increase, and that is exactly what we got this time around. It brings the interest rate range between 3.75 and 4% interest. It also is the highest rate that we have seen since January 2008 before the housing bubble collapsed. In comments after the announcement, Powell said, quote, The inflation picture has become more and more challenging over the course of this year. That means we have to have policy be more restrictive, and that narrows the path to a soft landing, end quote. Inflation has certainly been a hot topic in the news since we've been recovering from the pandemic shutdowns, delays, shortages, and bottlenecks. But people still seem to be spending money. The September Consumer Price Index came in at 8.2%, which was lower than the August CPI report, but also higher than anticipated. October CPI data is scheduled to be released next week on Thursday, November 10th. Number three, with Elon Musk finalizing his purchase of Twitter last Thursday evening, there has been a ton of Elon Musk and Twitter-related news. First off, I should probably mention that last Thursday, he fired the Twitter C-suite, not long after naming himself Chief Twit, so he is indeed CEO of Twitter. There's a lot of chatter around what's going to change, and without a doubt, a lot of ideas and rumors, and a lot of those likely will not come to fruition. But there are things that will change. For instance, Twitter's homepage. For those not logged in or without an account, it used to display a very simple registration form. 
Now you can search through some content and see what the platform is like before deciding to sign up. That was a change requested specifically by Musk. I've seen a tweet with an employee printing out code for Musk to review. Didn't know that was a thing, but, you know, coding, not my strong suit. There were claims of a mass layoff happening prior to November 1st, which allegedly would have cut back on the amount of employees able to cash in their stock grants at the 5420 selling price. That didn't happen, though. And then the latest potential change making headlines, Twitter verification, setting a price tag on that little blue checkmark. Originally, reports suggested that the verification would be part of a revised Twitter Blue subscription that would cost $19.99 per month. After a survey on Twitter found that 82% of users would not pay for verification, that price tag went down quite a bit to a potential $8 per month. And that was according to a Twitter thread authored by Elon Musk, but still not an official announcement. Now, many of the articles I read listed the dangers in opening up verification to a payment system, mainly because of the additional benefits users receive from having it. The system could end up heavily spammed, verification could lose its meaning, and dangerous rhetoric could be spread. And while all of that is true, we know that Musk has said he is a free speech advocate and envisions Twitter as a virtual town hall. Paying for verification is an interesting concept, something that hasn't been offered elsewhere, and I'm curious if it would change the verification system on other social platforms if indeed adopted by Twitter. I also think that many social platforms have long existed under a free ideology, and that is noble, but it might not be realistic forever. I'm not sure that they've entertained all of the ways they could charge for their services. I think they're beginning to see that users will pay for a few extras, but it's very experimental right now as far as just what users are willing to pay in order to add desired features or remove friction while using the app. Twitter's upcoming evolution is definitely filed as one to watch, and as changes are made and officially announced, we will make sure that we relay them to you in upcoming episodes. Number four. This one I'm throwing in here because it was a very interesting antitrust case in the news recently. The potential merger between Penguin Random House and Simon & Schuster. The proposed merger had a value of $2 billion, but would have reduced the amount of book publishers from five to four. The suit blocking the merger came last November from the Justice Department. Judge Florence Pan oversaw the trial and agreed with the suit brought by the government, blocking the merger from going through. The case brought a lot of formerly unknown details about the publishing industry to light, and I'm sure we will see a podcast or two pop up about the trial. 
if you're interested in that kind of insider information and disclosure, you would probably love the podcast Missing Pages. So we will make sure to have the link to that show in our notes. Number five, with it being AEP and open enrollment simultaneously, In addition to running all sorts of errands, you'll be glad to know that the seasonal change of flavors at Dunkin' and Starbucks has arrived. And of course, they come with brand new cup designs to get you in the festive spirit. And while I do not get excited about pumpkin spice season, I do get very excited about the Christmas season. Setting up lights and the tree, all the decorations, baking cookies, and of course, watching Hallmark Christmas movies with my family, in addition to the classics, and every rendition of Scrooge possible with my dad. First up, we'll take a look at Duncan's holiday menu. No surprise that the Peppermint Mocha Signature Latte is back. It is ubiquitous with the season. But new this year, a new holiday blend of Colombian and Ethiopian coffee that features notes of molasses and dried fruit. There's a new toasted white chocolate latte, complete with whipped cream, caramel, and cinnamon sugar. Dunkin' will also offer a white mocha hot chocolate that mixes traditional hot chocolate with white chocolate notes. And then what I'm most excited about, the cookie butter cold brew that is topped with cookie butter flavored cold foam and blends cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, and caramelized baked cookie. That sounds heavenly, but I would have to taste it to say for sure. I'm a big fan of gingerbread flavored coffee, but not so much pumpkin spice. On the food side, there's a cookie butter donut topped with maple icing, dotted with cookie pieces, and filled with cookie buttercream. Because if you're going to have a donut, you know, have a donut. There's a new pancake wrap that takes an egg, some cheese, sausage, or bacon, and then wraps it in a pancake. Not sure how I feel about that. I am not a McGriddle lover, so that might be a pass for me. Other menu additions, pancake minis, chicken, bacon, and cheese croissant stuffers, and a cranberry orange muffin that I think sounds delicious. I love those two flavors paired together. As far as the designs on the cups at Dunkin', donuts find their way into a sprig of holly, the bottom of a snowman, a piece of candy, and a holiday ornament. So that is Dunkin'. Now on to Starbucks. Nothing new here on the beverage front, which was a little surprising. Peppermint mocha, caramel brulee latte, toasted white chocolate mocha, and the chestnut praline latte are all back. The iced sugar cookie almond milk latte and the Irish cream cold brew are back as well. Now, I did enjoy the Irish cream cold brew, but I am still mourning the loss of the juniper latte. I really enjoyed that flavor back in 2018. There's a new bakery item, the chocolate pistachio swirl. So think cinnamon bun with walnuts, but then replace the cinnamon with chocolate and sub out the walnuts with pistachios. Then top it off with mint chocolate chips and chopped pistachios. 
also back, the reindeer cake pop got one of those for my daughter yesterday, the sugar plum cheese danish, cranberry bliss bar, and the snowman cookie. Design-wise, this year marks the 25th anniversary of these special holiday cup designs, and Starbucks also has four different versions. They've named their cup designs this year. I'm not sure if they've named them in past years, but Cozy Evergreen is the red cup with big white Christmas trees. Frosted Sparkle has a mint green background with diamonds and starbursts and a frosty overlay. Gift-wrapped Magic has vertical green and red wavy ribbons and kind of looks like wrapping paper, like the name suggests. And finally, Ornament Wonder features a white background with an assortment of red and green seasonal icons that's reminiscent of the Louis Vuitton monogram that was so iconic in the early aughts. If I happen to try the new Duncan offerings, I will be sure to post them on my Instagram. I did mention that we had the reindeer cake pop yesterday, and you might have seen my post featuring the new Ornament Wonder design on Instagram yesterday as well. If you didn't, the link is in our episode notes. You can check it out, and I would love if you would follow along with me on Instagram as well. Rupel recommends. So we skipped over streaming picks last week in favor of a shorter episode, but I'm not sure that this week's episode came in at much less time. That's just how it goes sometimes, but let's talk about what's coming to streaming for the month of November. I have to say that I had high hopes for the coming holiday and Christmas movies when I started looking through what's coming. My family has a tradition of watching holiday movies together. And then at our house, movie nights are a weekly, sometimes bi-weekly event. So I like it when there is a surplus of options to choose from and a surplus of holiday options at that. So Hulu has a lot of holiday movies to choose from. Far too many to mention in this episode. It looked like every week they had a few new holiday titles that they were adding to their platform. So that might be a service to think about picking up for the holidays if you've ditched cable. That being said, most of my picks come from Netflix this month, which was surprising because that platform has been a bit of a drought for me lately. We will start with what's already out and go through the month of November. The Bad Guys on Netflix, based on the kids' series of the same name. The Big Bad Wolf tries to become the hero, and he enlists his friends, but it might be harder to go good than they think. Blockbuster, the limited-run Netflix documentary about the ill-fated video rental chain it helped put out of business. There's a little bit of irony there. That is already out on Netflix. And then Enola Holmes 2 on Netflix. That came out today and reminded me that I still need to finish watching the first movie. And now let's get into what is coming soon on streaming this month. November 11th on Netflix, 
season one and two of Laguna Beach if you would like to remember the early days of reality TV. November 16th on Disney+, Plus, The Santa Clauses, which I thought was going to be a movie. It's apparently a TV series with six episodes. I love that. Quite possibly one of my favorite holiday franchises ever. Also on Disney+, Plus, coming November 18th, Disenchanted, which I'm not sure how I didn't know this was being made sooner, but it was a delightful surprise. And of course gives me a good excuse to watch Enchanted, its prequel. So in the first movie, Amy Adams travels from the fantasy world to the real world in search of her happily ever after. And this time around, she and her prince move to a new community and things are thrown a bit sideways and she ends up, well, disenchanted. And then November 21st on Netflix, I hope my daughter is not yet too old for this. My Little Pony Winter Wish Day. We still rock out to the My Little Pony holiday albums, so I am holding out hope for watching this special. And that is all that we've got for this week. We certainly covered a lot, so be sure to head over to the episode notes for all of the links and more information. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay healthy and stay safe out there. And we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel. Script editing by Tina Lamaru. Artwork by Vivian Zhao. 